a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. YU Sports Talk by Cougar fans. For Cougar fans, it's Cougar Sports Saturday. Here are your hosts, Mitch Harper and Matt Maimonte. KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Cougar Nation, what is up? Matt Biamonte and Mitch Harper. It's a short show today because of BYU basketball. At 1.30 p.m., they'll be taking on South Dakota at Vivint Arena. So in 30 minutes from now, we'll hand it over to BYU pregame. But we have to get in some huge news that has happened this week on the football side of things. And also in college football at large. Well, let's start things off with BYU football. The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday. Earlier in the week, Mitch, former defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki, he steps down as defensive coordinator, kind of a maybe a, a mutual decision between BYU and coach Tuiaki. And now they find themselves looking for a new defensive coordinator. When it happened, what was your initial reaction? When it happened, I was first perplexed that it was announced on his personal Instagram and Facebook. I, you know, I, I thought that was a little bit uh, different, uh, you know, different uh, for, for a D1 uh, coach to, to do that. But no, I, I thought it was just, it was a matter of time. You know, and, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of respect for Kalani Sataki from Elisa Tuiaki, and there's a lot of respect given to Tuiaki from Kalani. It's a friendship, and it's a, a close bond between those two. And I think that Tuiaki understood that if he wants his friend to flourish and continue to be uh, an excellent head coach at BYU, he had to step away. And because he kind of, in a way, represented a symbol of if I, because Kalani would have had a lot of scrutiny. The negativity would have ramped up. Even if Tuiaki was demoted to defensive line coach, which he was, you know, after that Arkansas game, had he been on the staff still, it would have gotten negative around the fan base, Matt, to where, you know, you want this early part of the Big 12 era, maybe first two years, maybe three, to be kind of a little bit of a new honeymoon again. And that would not have been there for Kalani. 
it would have got really negative with the fan base. I think Tuiaki could sense that. And also, it doesn't help, too, that the defense bottomed out this year. There, there needs to maybe be a new voice, a, a new scheme, a new identity, because this was trending down. Even last week against Stanford, BYU made Stanford's passing attack look explosive. I mean, they couldn't be stopped. And they won, and that was great. And, and But but still, that you know, BYU's you know, flawed defensively, and, and this move had to be made. I'm, I'm with you on everything you said. And you talk about this defense bottoming out, bitch. The statistics for this defense are shocking to say that. And, and I think the thing that I keep coming back to about the lack of success this year, and on particular with the defense, is there were, this wasn't a new defense. A lot of these guys had played before, and a handful of them had had great moments, and it just didn't come together. And they end up being 101st in scoring defense, 124th in turnovers gained, 120th in third down percentage. So people were moving the chains on BYU's defense all year, and second to last in sacks. And, and we know that we know Coach Tuiaki's feelings on sacks and how it's not the end all be all, but they are at the bottom of the barrel in every important defensive metric. And you just, and when you couple that with all of the defense had played the previous year, that's just unacceptable. And if you want to be a good power five program, you can't have those kind of results. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I'm happy that coach Tuiaki made the move, Mitch, because I, I think it maybe lands a little softer. If he just says, Hey, I want to go do something else. I want to find my next opportunity rather than putting the pressure on Kalani to fire him which would have been very difficult because of that friendship that you noted. So at the end of the day, it's a win-win for, for everybody. It's good for BYU because they clearly needed a change. And what's next? You know, I, I would imagine there's going to be more changes. You know, I think that not all the blame on this defense goes solely to Elisa Tuiaki. That should be noted. I mean, you think right. about things like drop eight, that's the brainchild of Ed Lamb from his days at Southern Utah. You know, what, what becomes of Ed Lamb and, you know, this coaching staff and, you know, these are delicate things, and I understand, you know, we're talking about people losing jobs, and it's there might be family members of these people listening, and I know it's 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 tough to discuss. You know, in an, in an yeah. ideal world, it's like what we're talking about last offseason where everyone comes back and there's so much success and 10 wins, and, you know, it's a delicate deal. But this is, this is major college football, and BYU's going into the Big 12, and it just kind of feels like, Matt, that there, it's, it's kind of a... This group, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Utah Jazz last year, where it's like this collection, this iteration of BYU hit its ceiling. They did all they could, whether it's the coaching staff, the personnel, they hit their ceiling. Because let's face it, since 2005, Broncos' first year, the expectations going into pretty much every season, maybe the exception being 2018, would be... Let's see if they can win as many games as possible and maybe break through and get that BCS or New Year's Six Bowl. Next year will be fascinating because, it's like, can they get to a bowl? And I think that there's a there's a newfound appreciation of that process, the journey next year, and understanding of how difficult the schedule will be going forward. And Kalani has that uh, a little bit more patience now from the fan base because of that Big 12 status. And now he can have that opportunity to maybe reshuffle the deck with the staff. I'm fascinated to see what, what moves going forward. Who would you like to see, Matt, as maybe some some candidates to be that D.C.? Yeah, the, the one guy for me that, that comes to mind is Sean Nua for a couple reasons. One, he knows BYU, which I think is a benefit because we know that BYU is challenging. But also, 
he's spent time at other big college football programs. So he knows what BYU is, but he also knows what big time college football is. And really at the end of the day, Mitch, I just want this to be a nationwide search. I want them to find the best guy. I don't want it to be, let's find another friendship, a connection that I had at Utah that's going to come in here and we're going to get along. That that may work. I'm not saying it wouldn't. I just prefer the Jeff Grimes approach, which is, hey, this isn't a guy that we had, we had a deep connection with personally, but he's someone that had the experience to do the job, and he did a great job. And then he went on and got a, a job with Baylor, and that looks good on BYU to have assistant coaches that are desired. So I just want this to be a nationwide search. Let's go find the best candidate. And, you know, if if I were choosing – I'd go after Sean Nua, and if he was interested, that that'd be my choice. I I think Sean Nua would be awesome, and I think and you know Kalani was a grad assistant at BYU when Sean Nua was a player for the Cougars. So there's a little bit of history there, and there's some crossover. Kalani's name is synonymous with the defensive side, so I feel like his DC has to be someone that is in complete alignment with Kalani's views. You know, so Kalani understands that the defense, his, his he cut his uh, teeth in the coaching ranks on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that he probably would go with, you know, a, a name that he's maybe potentially worked with. Maybe a Jay Hill. I think Jay Hill would be outstanding. Maybe he's more of an assistant head coach type if they do move on from an Ed Lamb. I also think Frank Miley would be pretty good because he's got a little bit of head coaching experience from his interim time at Utah State, also an associate head coach. I think Frank Miley would do a, a good job. We And also we can bring in our producer, Nate Slack. Nate, uh, I know you are pretty high and bullish on on a guy again for those of you listening Nate's our new producer he's replaced uh Dallin Graff Nate who would you like to see as the DC yeah I think I think a Derek Odom uh intrigues me I know Matt talked about not wanting somebody who's coached with Kalani in the past and Derek Odom he's a Utah guy he played at Utah he coached with Kalani at Utah but he's uh he's currently the defensive coordinator at San Jose State and he's the, the improvement that San Jose State has made in the time that he's been their coordinator, I like a lot. Um, Sean Nua would be fun, but I, I think I would lean more towards somebody who already has experience coordinating a defense. You can follow Nate on Twitter, Nate Slack 5 It's good insight there, Nate. I, I think that Odom would be interesting because San Jose State is one of the top teams in blitz in sacks this year and blitz rate. They're among the best. And I think from a from a visual standpoint, Cougar fans could get on board with that. I think they'd be very aggressive. And I think ultimately, I think, Matt, we can both agree, and all of us agree, that I think we just want to see a little bit more aggressiveness from the defense. Yes. Kalani even wanted it in the spring. He's like, I want explosive playmaking ability on the defense. Kalani wants it. I mean, let's see it. We want to see this thing be aggressive. That's ultimately what I feel like because BYU's defense the last few years, even when they have statistically some decent numbers, I never feel like it's an aggressive group that's going to put fear in an opponent. That no one like Name all the quarterbacks that have just dropped back and they're straight dealing. Tanner McKee, talented QB, but he was far better than anything he's been this year against BYU. That is frustrating. I want to see BYU be more aggressive. Couldn't agree more. we got to take the break here on Cougar Sports Saturday on the other side. We'll get to that expanded college football playoff before we turn you over to BYU basketball pregame as they host South Dakota over at Vivid Arena. We'll do that next. You're listening to Cougar Sports Saturday right here on KSL News Radio. Okay. 
Welcome back in to Cougar Sports Saturday, an extended pregame version for BYU basketball. The Cougars going to take on South Dakota coming up today at 1.30 p.m. We'll toss it over to Greg Rubel and the crew after we're done. Just across the street at Vivint Arena, BYU and the Yotes of South Dakota. Uh, should be a good game today. No Spencer Johnson expected. He's been dealing with a knee injury. No four-team playoff in the future for college football. College football has an exciting announcement where they are going to a 12-team playoff beginning in 2024. And Matt, I got to say, I am beyond thrilled for this move. Do you feel the same way? Beyond thrilled. It's great for the the sport of college football because I think it's going to open a lot of doors for teams not named Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. Like when this 14 playoff came to be, there, there was this an idea that more teams would have access to play on the biggest stage which is competing for a national championship. And that really hasn't come to pass, which I think is why this emphasis on the expansion came so rapidly. And I'm glad that it did because it's true. Like most, there's seven teams every year, Mitch, that have access to the biggest stage. And that's not good enough for college football. So now with it going to 12 and there's the six guaranteed spots for the highest ranked conference champions there's going to be playoff games on home team sites in the opening round. Like, this is all great for college football. And at the end of the day, I think it's going to result in a little more parity in college football, which is a great thing because more teams are going to be competing. I think it's going to help with recruiting because more teams are going to be able to actually say, we've been winning our conference championship. We're going to the playoff, yada, yada, yada. It's just there's no scenario in which I see this being a problem for college football. It's awesome. And I can't wait for it, for it to get started. And I'm glad that the Rose Bowl conceded that January 1 window to kind of open this up because it needed to happen sooner rather than later. Absolutely. This is a huge, huge breakthrough in college football. You think about today, today's championship Saturday in the sport, and honestly, it's just a big nothing burger. I mean, you pretty much – I'm excited to watch the Big 12 championship with TCU and Kansas State, but honestly, it's it's just there's not much you know juice to today. And you think about what conference championship games will mean in the twelve team playoff, where everyone will have a chance to lay claim into being in that top twelve of the playoff. I just think it's a fascinating deal, and I think you're right with recruiting. You, if you're Kalani Sataki and you're BYU, you tell a local kid who's got a laundry list of offers to Power Five programs in the Southeast or or in the Big Ten, or the Pac-12, whatever it may be, BYU being in the Big 12 now, they can say, help us get a Big 12 championship, and then we're going to be playing for a national championship. BYU has can actually say that to recruits now. How amazing is that when you take a step back from just the BYU awesome. perspective? That is, BYU goes into a season, and they have a direct path to the title. Like, that's incredible. It's no longer going to be... Oh well, they need you know our non-conference opponent to be ten and two. They need you know it's like it's always some laundry list of things for BYU to get into something, and typically BYU pushes the envelope and always finds its way into the conversation. But uh, I'm just so excited for this, and my my one fear I will say, Matt, is that this becomes the trial balloon for the Big Ten and the SEC to say, you know what, why don't we field our own twelve-team playoff? And we'll expand a few more teams, go get Miami, Florida State, uh, go get Oregon, Washington, and just 
call it a day and make this a you know 20 team or 40 team deal i don't know they're gonna get so many at large teams yes in. they're gonna be getting three maybe even four in i think they'll be happy i, I that but that's just my one maybe you know trying to look on the, the the flip side of the downside of things that's my one fear but honestly to have a national sport that cares you think about out west College football doesn't matter out here. Like BYU has a lot of energy and a lot of passion, but just doesn't matter. Like no one's a real threat to win the title outside of a USC uh, type brand. And so I, I'm just excited for college football. This this sport will be just so much better uh, with a 12 team playoff, and I can't wait. Totally agree, Mitch. Well, that will do it for Cougar Sports Saturday, the short edition today. We're going to hand it over to Greg Rubel and the boys for BYU basketball against South Dakota. We'll be back for a full show next week. So for Mitch Harper, our producer Nate Slack and Matt Biamonte, we'll see you next time. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.